Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Jacob DeGoat is back. Let's talk about it. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Wednesday, August 3rd. The whole gang is here. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, Jacob DeGrom made his season debut. We'll talk about that. Miguel Vargas was promoted by the Dodgers. Will he stick around? Uh, not so sure. A few struggling elite talents that I want to talk about and much more. But before we get into it, Chris, I noticed that you are, you're, you're in training camp now on Twitter. How long do we yes. have you for? Oh, I'll, I'll be around. Nice. I'll be around. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the FFT newsletter five times a day. Subscribe, cbssports.com slash newsletter slash fantasy dash football dash today. Five times uh, a day? Five times a week. Five times a day would be a lot. Um, I write a lot, and I write really fast, but not that fast. That would be pretty exhausting. All right. And I feel like the spam filters would pick me up a lot more quickly. Uh, but, yeah. But I'm still keeping my eyes on, you know, on baseball. I'm still here. You know, you got me. I'm not going away anytime too soon, hopefully. That's good. I want to make sure that you're sticking around. So we've got Chris for the next month or so before football starts. Of course, if you do play fantasy football, make sure you subscribe to Chris's newsletter. All right. Before we get into oh my, good. Good. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious from Tuesday, let's just start off with Jacob DeGrom, who had a successful debut at the Nationals. Five innings, three hits, one run, six strikeouts, zero walks, 13 swinging strikes on 59 pitches. That is a 22% swinging strike rate. So... Just more of the same, seven whiffs on the slider, five on the fastball. He averaged 99.7 miles per hour on his fastball in this start. You know, he looked a lot like Jacob deGrom. The pitch mix basically on par with last year. Scott, I don't know that there's much to take away from this start. It's just, you know, can he stay healthy? He made it through his first start, so I guess that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, can he stay healthy is a major question. Uh, it was a usage injury that stress fracture in his shoulder prior to the season. And and so I don't, I don't love to see that his velocity was up again from last year here in his first start back. He fastball peaked at a hundred. What was it? 101.6 miles per hour, which is great. You know, I, I love a 101.6 mile per hour fastball as much as the next guy, but I know from DeGrom's history, like, he was still the best pitcher in baseball when he was peaking at 98. So like, I'd rather, I'd rather him pitch in a way, you know, I, I don't know that all the added velocity is good for him staying on the mound. And, and that's what I want to see most of all is him on the mound. So, you know, if, if you want to be disappointed in anything, I guess that's the thing, but of course it's great that he's back. It's great that he dominated. 
He was facing a AAA lineup. The one I'm, that just I'm lost disappointed. Juan Soto and Josh Bell. I will say I'm disappointed that we've been talking about Jacob Degrom for like 90 seconds, and nobody's made the Jacob Degrom was in midseason form, allowing one run as the Mets lost. Yep. Ah, true. Yeah, you know, to that AAA classic, lineup. Classic, classic yeah. Mets Jacob Degrom jokes. Yeah, it's, got him. It's just more of the same. I I don't I don't have this that in front of me, but I saw something on Twitter that he's like. 45 and 43 in whatever, however many of his last starts. Uh, the Mets are 45 and 43 in his last, I guess that would be 88 starts or something like that. So it's just crazy considering how amazing he is. Chris, we recently spoke about Jacob deGrom and you said after you see him come away from his first start healthy, you'll move him you know, up around your top 12 starting pitchers. Do you plan to do that after this start? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I like we, we've said it a, a thousand times this season, but it's so hard to rank a player like Jacob deGrom because when he's pitching, I don't think there's anyone better. I really like I I would t- I will take Jacob deGrom over any p- pitcher in baseball if I need one game. But seeing him pitch in one game doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be healthy enough to pitch the next game or the next five games, the next 10 or 12 or whatever the the rest of the season would be. So it's just, it's impossible to know how to properly value him. I I don't, I I don't even know if it's impossible to know how to properly value him. It might just be impossible to value him because if, if you're willing to give up full value on Jacob deGrom, you're just taking out uh, on an incredible amount of risk. But if you trade Jacob deGrom and you're not getting full value for him, you're taking on an incredible amount of risk that you're going to lose that trade. So it's just, he's an impossible player to value. I know that's technically our jobs is to try to figure that out. I know, but it's, we're not, we're not soothsayers, you know, we're not, uh, we're not reading animal entrails and, and divining the future. I mean, Scott, might, for yourself, he's Chris. better, he's better at this than I am. So I don't know what his actual process is. Maybe I should ask, but uh, it involves a lot of entrails for me. I, I live a pretty entrail free life. And um, that means that I don't know if Jacob deGrom is going to stay healthy for his next 10 starts. If he does, I think he'll be the best pitcher in baseball the rest of the way. Uh, look, I, think that's, there, there's, I don't like, I don't know. It's a lot of words to say. I don't know. We're all in agreement. We're all shrugging right now on the podcast if you're watching us on YouTube. I agree. I, look, I said it before. I'll say it again. I, I like to play things safe. If someone approached me with you know, a top 12 to 15 starting pitcher right now straight up for Jacob deGrom, someone who's healthy right now, I, I would do that trade just because... Uh, yeah, like, yep. here's an interesting one. Max Fried or Jacob deGrom? I, I would take Max Fried for Jacob deGrom right now. Shane Bieber or Jacob deGrom? I would take Shane Bieber. Yeah, I have DeGrom 23rd. Entering this start, I had him 23rd. Just ahead of him are Julio Arias, Hugh Darvish, Clayton Kershaw, and Shane Bieber, I have 19th. I don't know that I'm ready yet to move DeGrom ahead of any of those guys. It's, it's like we talked about in the, in the preseason. It's not, for me, a question of, is Jacob DeGrom good? You yeah. know, when he's on the mound, like... As long as he's healthy enough to pitch in a major league game, I think he's going to be amazing. It's, it's just does should seeing him actually pitch in a major league game change anything? That's the question I can't answer. 
Yeah, and I, I don't blame you there. So a couple different takes here. How If you have DeGrom on your team, I guess figure out, you know, risk versus reward. Do you want to have potentially the SP1 or, or flip him for somebody a little bit safer? I, as I said, I, I would rather flip him right now. Let's get into the rest of Tuesday's action. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious. A standout. What just happened? My Apple Watch just yelled at me. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I must have said something I wasn't supposed to. Oh, my goodness oh my gracious. God. From Tuesday, the most actionable player on this list comes from Scott. So we'll start there. Yes. Braxton Garrett, baby. How many times has he been the oh, my goodness gracious player lately? Well, he made me say it again today. Because all he did, all Braxton Garrett did was strike out eleven. In five and two-thirds innings, 15 swinging strikes, nine on that slider that, uh, that's really taken off lately. Yeah, but it was against the Pirates. No, the Reds. not this time. Not this that's, time. That's the joke. <laughs> the first, gotcha. now, no, but no, that's what I, I think is most interesting about this. And, and look, the Reds lineup isn't great. They just traded uh, Tommy Pham and Brandon Drury. It's better than the Pirates, but it's not great. But I think what's most encouraging about what Braxton Garrett's done over his last four starts is that it was two in a row against the Pirates. It was two in a row against the Reds. They got back-to-back looks at him and still couldn't do anything with it. I I know the Reds scored five runs off in in, in the first of the two starts against them, but four were in the first inning, and he still looked pretty dominant otherwise. So I, I give them... I, I treat that as like that. That was a sign that elevated my perception of Braxton Garrett, even if the end result wasn't great. And this one does further. Uh, I'd like to see him face a really good lineup and, and see what happens. And of course, I'm not going to judge completely on the first time that happens if he has a bad start. But uh, I, he continues to trend the right way. And, you know, at this point, he probably needs to be rostered everywhere. Well, Scott, ask and ye shall receive because we're far out from next week. I get that. But an early forecast has Braxton Garrett starting two games next week against the Phillies and the Braves. So that would be quite the test for him. He yeah, is good test. Good test. And I'd use him for the two start week. I would. He is 67% rostered. Again, that is Braxton Garrett uh, over a strikeout per inning this season, 12.7% swinging strike rate entering Tuesday's action, and that number is only going to go up. So he's looked very good recently. And a few other names that emerged on the waiver wire here on Tuesday. Cutter Crawford has now allowed three earned runs or fewer in five straight. He goes into Houston to face the Astros and gives up just one run over six innings with six strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes and lowers the ERA to 3.83. He is 24% rostered. And Cole Irvin now makes it six straight quality starts. He was at the Angels, six innings, two earned runs, four strikeouts. His ERA is down to 304. Chris, he wasn't you- traded. Yeah. Cole Irvin wasn't traded. So he gets to <laughs> continue to benefit from that park where he's had so much success, allowing just one home run all year. I thought about and, exactly uh, that while I was writing in uh, you know, my notes for him. Is Yeah. yeah. I, normally, you want your players to get as far away from Oakland as you possibly can. But <laughs> in this case, Cole Irvin... Pitching in Oco, it's a much better place for him to pitch. He was in, he was at the Angels this time, for what it's worth, but yep. also a big park and a terrible lineup and delivered again. Chris, how do you rank these three? Braxton Garrett, Cutter Crawford, Cole Irvin. 
Uh, I would go Garrett Crawford Irvin. Irvin, I think he's a streamer at home, but I wouldn't have much faith, you know, knowing this one was on the road, yes, but still. I don't think he's a particularly good pitcher, so I'm okay chasing upside with Garrett and Crawford. I don't think either of them has, like, huge upside, although I do like uh, Garrett's a little more based on what we've seen from him over, uh, over, you know, this nice little extended stretch now. Scott, I think I know the answer to this question, but other people might not know. Jameson Tyone. Another clunker here on Tuesday. His last 11 starts, 5.73 ERA, 12 home runs. So just over a home run per start during that stretch. He's still 93% rostered. Would you, would you drop him for any of Braxton Garrett, Cutter Crawford, Cole Irvin? I certainly would for Garrett and Irvin. I, I have Irvin ahead of Cutter Crawford. Uh Pretty substantially. I mean, I, I did have Crawford as a two-start sleeper this week, and it's nice that he came through against the tougher of those starts, against the Astros. The next one is at Kansas City. But in the long run, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I think he's, I think he's just a space filler for the Red Sox right now. So uh, I, I think I would still take Tyone over Cutter Crawford, but that is less about faith in Tyone than just lack of faith in Crawford. Oh, right. I don't, I don't have, I don't believe in Tyone. I would drop him for almost anybody. Yeah, I think Tyone's absolutely in that space where just you can drop him for anyone that's yeah. got some upside, I think. Yeah. And, you know, t- to clarify, like if, if, if I have a, it was Cutter Crawford this week. If next week there's some other obscure pitcher who I have as a two start sleeper and I just want to stream the guy, I'd be perfectly, I'd be perfectly fine hunting Tyone for the streamer option. Scott, your mic is doing that weird thing again where it's not picking you up. So move around, get loose a little bit. Yeah, I think I kind of, I think maybe I, I stick my chin over it and it's such a directional microphone, you know, <laughs> that once I get past that, the uppermost point of it, it just loses me. So I, I sound fine now, right? Good to go. You sound great. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious for you, Chris. Who you got? Kevin Gosman who I know there's been some consternation. Uh, my faith has not really wavered. And I was happy to see that faith rewarded today because, you know, he, he's gone through a, a bit of a rough patch of late. And the thing is with Kevin Gosman is the strikeouts and the walks have never stopped being excellent. He's had, I don't know if he's been the league leader in FIP through uh, his most recent start, but it was He's been in that range, you know, one of the best FIPs in baseball, even when things were going not so great. And I just, I look at him and I look at the total package and I just see a pitcher who's got great strikeout numbers, incredible control. He's going to get hit hard occasionally and it's going to lead to some, you know, frustrating stretches. You know, maybe, maybe he's like a slightly better Shane Bieber at this point, but I still think Kevin Gosman is an elite pitcher. You are correct, Chris. Yes, top 12 guy. Entering Tuesday's action, Kevin Gosman led all qualified starting pitchers with a 206 FIP for the season. Now, the XFIP and FIP assumes that all batted balls are equal, and they're not. We know that. Or, yeah, it, it assumes that home runs happen at the same rate. It assumes all batted balls are equal. I think it's the, the right way to put it. And they're not. Kevin Gosman gets hit hard. You know, he's got a 395 expected Woba on contact. That's right around where his career rate is. So. You know, he does get hit pretty hard, but he's also so good at avoiding walks and, and getting strikeouts that 
I think he's still very, very good, even though there have been some rough patches at times. I think the better metric to use to judge Kevin Gosman might be expected ERA, according to mm-hmm. StatCast, because it factors in quality of contact. And entering Tuesday, Kevin Gosman's ex-ERA was 3.62. So, again, like, he is great. There's no doubt about it. His K-minus walk rate is amazing. But he does allow a decent amount of hard contact, and you see it there in his expected ERA this season. He also leads all qualified starting pitchers in BABIP, 385. That's the, the big thing is like, yeah. even if you're bad at suppressing hard contact, a 385 Babbitt. I and mean, I think we talked about this the last time he yeah. It's just unlucky. Pitched. Frank, it, it's, that, it's like, unlucky. You can pitch poorly and still have lo- bad luck, or you can have bad skills and still have bad luck. And that's what's happening with Kevin Gosman is like, even if you think he is you know, going to have a bad Babbitt, his 385 is nearly 50 points higher than the number three pitcher. <laughs> in BABIP, which is Carlos Carrasco at 337. Yeah. So even if Kevin Gosman was 98th percentile bad in BABIP, you're talking about a 50-point difference in the the rate of balls in play falling for drop for hits. So, yeah, I think the worst stretches of Kevin Gosman career or season have been largely bad luck, and I think he's still very, very good. His BABIP is higher than Patrick Corbin's. So just to put that in perspective, yeah. it's, you know, it, no matter how much hard contact you give up, you should not be in the same category as Patrick Corbin. If you're, if you're Kevin Gosman, that is. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious, for me, uh, I got to be a little bit negative. I'm sorry, guys. I got to bring us down uh, a little bit. Ooh. Kyle Tucker, he's going through it right now. He went 0 for 3. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on where he's at. His overall batting average is down to 238 now for the season. And his last 21 games... A 154 batting average. Still has three homers and two steals, so kind of chipping in some power and speed. His BABIP is 155 during that time. A 53% fly ball rate seems he might be selling out a little bit too much, putting the ball in the air. Uh, but Scott, what do you think about this? these recent struggles for Kyle Tucker? Well, I hadn't noticed until you brought it up. Uh, we just did a redraft of the first two rounds, what, a month ago? And we all had him in our first round. So we weren't thinking of him. Well, I mean, it, I guess in that time, his batting average has dropped about 25 points. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, everything's kind of down. Still making as much contact as usual. Average exit velocity down a two and a half miles per hour from last year. Hard hit rate down 10 percentage points. I don't think he just forgot how to play baseball. I wonder if he is pressing or maybe he's playing through something that we just haven't heard about. Uh, I don't know. I think in shallower leagues, you could give some thought to sitting him for a hot hand play right now with at this critical time where you can't afford to, you know, you have to avoid losing at all costs most likely, but I want to be dumping him. And obviously in five outfielder leagues, I, probably not worth sitting him given what you'd be putting in the lineup instead. Oddly enough, he struggled against lefties this year as a left-handed batter, but he was great against them last season. A 286 batting average, 910 OPS against lefties in 2021 for Kyle Tucker. So I know it takes, I think it's, I forgot what it, it's like a thousand plate appearances against lefties. several, Several seasons. Yeah, so it takes a long time to kind of, for that to normalize your 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 splits against left-handed pitching. So, but that's true both ways. You know, if you're good for four years and you're bad for one year, 
you may not necessarily be able to say for sure that that player is good, but it also means you should be very skeptical that they're struggling. And right now, he's got like a 15% strikeout rate against lefties. He still has like a 180-ish ISO. He has a 219 BABIP against them. I don't really think Kyle Tucker's struggling against lefties. I think he's just, he's got a 241 BABIP right now. And it's possible that there's like an explanation for that that's not just, you know, blank happens. Like he is a left-handed hitter. His sprint speed has collapsed. He's down to 33rd percentile in sprint speed or 35th percentile in sprint speed, which is shockingly low for a guy with 16 stolen bases. It makes me wonder if, you know, there's something going on there. He did miss a couple of games with a foot injury at the end of May, but then he had a 958 OPS in June. That was his best month of the season by far. So I don't actually know if that's a good explanation. Um, but yeah, it's possible that he's like being hurt by the shift more this season. His quality of contact is down. If you look at his expected WOBA over the past 100 plate appearances, baseball savant has like a rolling average for uh, expected WOBA. Over the last 100 plate appearances, it's below average now. It's collapsed. And the funny thing is, if you, it's got 50, 100, 250 plate appearances. 50 plate appearances, last 50 plate appearances, his expected web is below average. Last 100 plate appearances, below average. Last 250 plate appearances, right in line with where it's been most of his career. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, a little arbitrary sample size there, um, depending on where you cut it off. I tend to think it's nothing and that he'll figure it out. And I, I think it's just one of those things that happens in a baseball season. Which we have talked about many times. There are, you know, peaks and valleys for even the best players in baseball. And I would consider Kyle Tucker, you know, not the best, but he's, you know, mm. inside the top, I don't know, 20 hitters, 15 hitters in the game. So uh, I do think that he will bounce back, assuming that he's healthy and not dealing with anything. The other one I wanted to mention, Corbin Burns had a career-high five walks against the Pirates? Really? Five and a third, four runs allowed, did have the five walks, six strikeouts in this start. And he's struggling a bit with his control. Last 11 starts, three and a half walks per nine, which is something early in his career he dealt with, but the past couple of years where you know he's been this... Cy Young caliber pitcher, the walks haven't been an issue. So, uh, Scott, does this concern you at all for Corbin Burns? I would say no. No. He walked none in six innings in his previous start. And what do you have, he like 12 strikeouts or something like that? Too? 11, yeah. Yeah. Nah, I mean, a five-walk outing is obviously going to raise your BB per nine rate quite a bit over what? how long was the sample again? So it was 11 starts, but even before Tuesday, it was three walks per nine over his last 10. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nah, it doesn't really concern me. All right. If you are looking for trade reactions, we will not be talking about any trades on today's podcast, but because we did a bunch of emergency podcasts. So if you are looking for those Juan Soto trade reaction, uh, we did a whole trade deadline recap of all the deals kind of catching up. Tyler Malley, Whit Merrifield, the closer the one, movements. The ones that weren't already covered by previous emergency <laughs> podcasts. Right, yeah. So if you're looking for any kind of trade content, there it's there. Just you've got to go back and uh, listen oh, to man, our emergency before podcast. Before we move on, I do want to say, rest in peace, Vince Scully. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that hurts. A legend. That was, man, there, there aren't a lot of... there. There, I don't know if there's a single broadcaster otherwise who 
I've tuned into games just to have him on. You know, like there, there's been a lot of times where I've just thrown a Dodgers game on late at night while I was in bed just to like have Vin Scully on in the background. So that just an absolute legend. The best there ever was. Rest in peace. For sure. Yeah, I had that in, in the news and notes for later on. But yeah, very unfortunate news. 94 years old, 67 years broadcasting baseball games with the Dodgers, of course. Uh, incredible. Amazing career. Uh, amazing voice. Love to listen to him. So yes, rest in peace to one of the best in Vin Scully. Uh, what else did I have? Well, I guess that's kind of a weird but natural transition to talk about the Dodgers, who promoted Miguel Vargas on Tuesday as Justin Turner was placed on the IL dealing with that abdominal injury, and the IL placement was retroactive to July 30th. So kind of seems like Justin Turner could be back soon, and... Scott's recent midseason top 30 prospects, Miguel Vargas ranked seventh on that list and having a very successful season in the minors. 291 batting average, 15 homers, 12 steals, and 879 OPS in 94 games. Really good plate discipline, 12% walk rate, 14.6% strikeout rate. The problem, Scott, we just don't know if he's going to stick around. So uh, Vargas, 29% rostered. What are you thinking? Yeah, and I, I really don't know. I don't know how closely it's tied to Justin Turner's IL stint. Uh, they also haven't officially added Joey Gallo to the roster yet. So that's going to impact things further. Uh, Miguel Vargas wasn't in the lineup for his first game. Hanser Alberto got the start at third base because, of course, anytime you have a chance to start Hanser Alberto, you got to do it. I... Uh, and on the other hand, I, I don't believe Miguel Vargas was on the 40-man roster prior to this promotion. So they they made a point to put him on, which would lead you to believe maybe, uh, you know, may, maybe they just figured, well, he's going to be around at some point this year. But I, I don't know that this is necessarily going to be the time to get him in the lineup consistently. It seems like they would have to be willing to bench Justin Turner and or Max Muncy. Both of them deserve to be benched, but so far they haven't made a move to do that. So I just I just don't know. Miguel Vargas, basically from the time Vinny Pasquantino was called up, has been the top prospect to stash. So, you know, now that he's actually in a major league uniform, it's not a bad idea to pick him up. His hit tool, like just the way people talk about him as a hitter in the minor leagues, like they act like they've never seen a minor league hitter like that before, uh, which is probably exaggeration. But at the same time, like the guy can really hit. And, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't had him seventh in my midseason rankings, as you point out, Frank. I think the consensus prospect rankings, if you're not looking at fantasy-specific necessarily, is more like 25 to 30. But I think a lot of that's just because they don't feel confident he's going to stick at third base. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes people, sometimes prospect stock takes too much of a hit for, for things like that. Uh, I, I think Miguel Vargas is going to be a monster when he is around for good, I'm just not confident that now is that time. All right, so not a must-add, it sounds like, but if you have a roster spot, if you have, let's say, a veteran on your bench who you just you just kind of have there for depth to plug in, I would say drop that player for Miguel Vargas and let's see where this goes because yeah, if, if you have any kind of if you have a roster spot you can play with in any any sort of way, I. I 
you know, I'm trying to think of Chris. You are muted. I see you trying to make. If you had Alex Kirilov placed on the IL, was what I said. There you go. Sure. I, I just looked at one league, and that's that's the move I made. Yeah, I am. As we talked about when uh, when the the wrist injury came up again, I am not confident about Kirilov's prospects for the rest of the season. So, I would be willing to dump him for Vargas. You know, tw- the sh- about the shallowest leagues I play in are 250 players rostered, and I think even in most of those, I'm, I'm sure even in a couple of them, I'm already stashing Vargas. So, yeah, I, th- I think most people could find a way to get them on their roster and just see what happens. All right, let's get back over to the pitching side of things. A couple other waiver wire pitchers in deeper leagues. Jose Suarez with the Angels. Another solid outing. He was up against the Oakland A's. Five innings, one unearned run, five strikeouts. And slider velocity remains up in this start. If you remember, last time out, he threw a slider something like 40% of the time. He didn't throw it as much in this one. He used it 26%. But that's that usage is still up from earlier in the season. So kind of intrigued by this slider that Jose Suarez is throwing. A good swinging strike rate this year at 12%. He's only 4% rostered. A couple other names here. Jordan Lyles, a quality start at the Rangers. Six and a third, one run, seven strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes. Really nice there. And Graham Ashcraft nearly goes the distance at the Marlins. Five and a third, one unearned run there. Three strikeouts against them. Chris, what do you think about this group in deeper leagues? Jose Suarez, Jordan Lyles, Graham Ashcraft. How many starts do you think there have been this season where a pitcher had as many swinging strikes as strikeouts? Because that's what Graham Ashcraft did today. <laughs> you know, just, just Adam Wainwright does that a lot, I've noticed. Yeah, that probably makes sense. He gets a ton of called strikes. I, this was against the Marlins, so I, I think you can go ahead and... like I, Graham Ashcraft, there are things about him that are interesting, but he just he does not get enough whiffs to, to get me excited. Suarez... I don't know. His minor league numbers are pretty bad once he got to AAA. Like he was good in the low minors, but it was, you know, small samples. He's got a 466 ERA. Playing at Salt Lake, that's another one of those offensive environments that is very, very difficult for pitchers. But even so, um, I haven't seen a ton to get excited about with Jose Suarez. So, you know, five strikeouts and five innings against the A's, that, that doesn't really excite me either. So, 15-team leagues, even there, I think he's pretty fringy. I was going to say, in 15-teamers, if you're desperate for pitching, I might take a shot on Suarez with this new pitch mix, but, you know, 12-team standard leagues, it's not happening yet. I throw him on the scout team there, and let's see where it goes. Uh, Scott, anything with this pitcher? Corey Abbott was solid in his first national start. He was opposing Jacob deGrom. He went five shutout, two hits, two walks, three strikeouts, had nine swinging strikes on 76 pitches, and he's had an okay minor league career. 3.75 ERA, 1.27 whip. A good amount of strikeouts. 485 strikeouts over 4.06 innings pitched. He's only 1% rostered, only RP eligible. What do you think? Anything here, Corey Abbott? Uh, not yet. But he did have... But, but he's pitched a little... He's made three relief appearances this year prior to this start. And so... Combined major and minor league numbers this year, a 16% swinging strike rate, which is very good. But all the other numbers this year, combined majors and minors, aren't so good. Better recently. I don't know. Let's let's see him do this a few more times, and then we could talk. Well, 
I picked him up in the Scott White Dynasty League, 2014 it's, points league. So I, I it's ho- a 2014 <laughs> league where pitching is precious. So that makes yeah. sense for that format. But I'm, I'm sure for 99% of our listeners, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I hope he turns it to something <laughs> for my own yeah. sake. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone, wherever you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you can help us out with a five-star rating, that would be much appreciated. Of course, on Apple, you can also leave a question or a Team Name Tuesday in the review. Um, but again, if you listen on Spotify, it's like a newer feature the past year or so. Five-star rating there really goes a long way and helps us out. We do appreciate it. Let's take a break and we'll return right after this. The news and notes. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde said that Felix Bautista, Sionel, Sionel Perez, and Dylan Tate are all candidates to close moving forward. Which well, makes it seem like a committee. I will point out Felix Bautista recorded the final out in the ninth inning here on. Yeah, and Tuesday. and yeah, I, I mean he did. Okay, so the exact quote I saw from Brandon Hyde was. I think Bautista, when he's going out there in the eighth inning or ninth inning at times, he's shown uh, the mentality to close, basically is what he was talking about. And I think he's going to get a shot. He did acknowledge that maybe uh, Ciano Perez could factor if the ma- him being a lefty could factor if the matchups were right. But like I got the impression from the quote and from the way the article was written on MLB.com that like... Felix Bautista is the obvious heir to the role. If how many how many teams in baseball at this point, if they don't have like a capital C closer, will come out and say we have a closer? Almost none. none. You like, you'll almost just, never hear. That. Like if you have Kenley Jansen or or one of those guys, yeah, yeah, they'll say yeah, he's our closer. But other than that, like very few teams actually come out and say yes, we're only going to use one guy as our closer. You know, yeah. even when there's obvious examples. So I, I think Felix Batista is going to be the closer. Me too. All right, fair enough. And he is widely available to, I want to say... The guy making the decision doesn't know anything. <laughs> 26% rostered is Felix Batista. So, uh, yes, very interested in him if you do need saves. Robin. So the, the numbers, let me just... The numbers are 166 ERA, 0.88 whip, 11.6K per nine. Like... He Elite. was arguably better than Jorge Lopez, and Jorge mm-hmm. Lopez was amazing. Yeah, he, he has been an elite reliever this season. There's no doubt about it. That is Felix Bautista. Rafael Devers was reinstated on Tuesday as expected. He went two for four with his 23rd home run. Julio Rodriguez is making good progress with both of his injured wrists, though he has not swung a bat yet. So uh, it seems unlikely that he will be activated in the minimum amount of time. Just my opinion. Luis Robert was reinstated on Tuesday, but was not in the starting lineup. Kind of a weird situation. He's been dealing with like lightheadedness, dizziness. There's no exact diagnosis that I've seen with Luis Robert, but should be back in the lineup on Wednesday. Freddie Peralta will rejoin the Brewers on Wednesday and start against the Pirates. So if you play in a daily lineup league, make sure to get him back in there. John Gray, this one hurts, placed on the IL with a strained left oblique and expected to miss four to six weeks. So that brings us right up to the end of the season. Just a brutal loss, John yep, Gray. That's the season, season for fantasy. Yeah. Tarek Skubal was diagnosed with left forearm inflammation and is expected to miss at least one turn through the Tigers' rotation. Danny Jimenez is back from the IL and should work 
back into the closers role? Should. I mean, that's our speculation. Of course, A.J. Puck and Zach Jackson are options as well. But Jimenez was pretty good earlier on in the season. Gene Segura likely to return from the 60-day IL on Thursday. Alex Kirilov, as we mentioned, was placed on the IL with that lingering wrist injury. And doesn't look good, unfortunately, for our guy, Alex Kirilov. Let's get into some waiver wire hitters from Tuesday. Rank these multi-eligible, multi-position eligible bats. Adam Frazier went two for three with two walks, two runs, an RBI, and his sixth stolen base. And he's batting 345 with three steals over his last 15 games. Jorge Mateo went two for five with a double dong. He added five RBI. He now has 10 homers and 25 steals on the season. And Chris, I know you recently made the comp to Adalberto Mondesi, right? Like, if Mateo's name was Adalberto Mondesi, we would, he would be rostered everywhere, which is just kind of an interesting exercise to do. And then Hassan Kim had a pretty massive game in uh, game one of their doubleheader. He went four for five with a double, triple, two RBI, two runs scored. He is batting 312 over his last 30 games. I just don't know how much he's going to play moving forward. Brandon Drury traded to the Padres. Fernando Tatis mm-hmm. returning soon, so... Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. kind of sucks for Hassan Kim. Chris, how would you rank these three multi-position bats? Adam Frazier, Mateo, Hassan Kim. I think in points it'd be Frazier, Mateo, Kim. In Roto, it'd be Mateo, Frazier, Kim. And I just want to say, I don't know if you were watching the game yesterday, Frank, but watching Adam Frazier against uh, Aroldis Chapman, I don't know, maybe it was just the vis- like how different their heights are. Aroldis Chapman's so big. <laughs> Adam Frazier, he's listed at 5'10". Looking at that plate appearance last night, I mean, I, I say I'm 5'10". I'm 5'9 and three quarters, you know? <laughs> he looked like he was like 5'8". Yeah. That was, that was all I thought about when I saw that. That's basically me up there batting against Aroldis Chapman, <laughs> right? Like, that's what it would look like. <laughs> Adam Frazier. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it looked like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a lefty, though, unfortunately. I yeah. I like to tell myself I'm a switch hitter, but it doesn't really work out that way often. Uh, I do I do want to mention for Jorge Mateo, who I think is a distant number one in, in categories because of the mm-hmm. steals potential. Yeah. So I have in his last 31 games, he's hitting 268 with six homers, six steals, an OPS around 850. His strikeout rate, which is uh, like 30% for the season, is 25% during that rate, uh, during that span of time i don't see a like a anything that jumps out at me it it just seems like he's gotten a little better at everything during that stretch the strikeout rate being down a little the exit velocity's up a little the hard hit rates up a little uh but this is you know this is kind of what we dreamed jorge moteo could be when when we heard he was going to be the orioles starting shortstop it's and I don't know if he can sustain it, but he's sustained it for about a month's time. And I think anywhere, like how rostered is he? 41%. Yeah, so he's, you know, that probably covers all Roto Leagues, but if he happens to be available in a Roto League, then it's time to not only add him, but make sure he's in your lineup so he can impact your steals category. Yeah, Scott, you men- mentioned his last 31 games. I had his last 17 written down here. He's batting 323 his last 17 games, 21% strikeout rate, so much more manageable. I-, I picked him up in Tout Wars this past weekend. That's a head-to-head points league, but it's roto-sized lineup, so it's middle infielder, corner, five outfielders. His position eligibility is just gold, so I, I get that it's not his best format, but 
I picked him up and I'm reaping the rewards. I'm I'm good with it. Which I don't think that I don't think he's that versatile in in CBS leagues. He has shortstop and outfield. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeah. in Tout Wars, it's, I forget the website. I think on Roto. It's a great website, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, <laughs> I think he has like second, third, shortstop, outfield. So it's it's yeah. really, really useful there. Okay. Uh, which catcher do you prefer of these two? Mentioned them a lot recently. Uh, but, you know, in a one catcher league, maybe you're just kind of riding the hot hand. Carson Kelly went three for four with his sixth home run. In 32 games since returning from the IL, he's batting 295. All six of those homers during this time. A 16% strikeout rate, so he's been great. 33% rostered. And then Jose Trevino went 2-for-4 with his 10th home run, and that is his third homer over the last two games. He's kind of going on a little power binge here. He is 39% rostered. Pretty similar. Chris, who do you like more between Carson Kelly and Jose Trevino? Uh, I'll go with Carson Kelly. You know, he, he's a, bit, a little bit less of a, you know, a batting average drain, I think, when things are going well. I don't. I guess it's not fair to say Jose Trevino is a batting average drain when he's hitting 260 this season, although I don't entirely buy that. Um, but, yeah, I would go with Carson Kelly. And Kelly's probably barely batting 200 for the season, but yeah. he has been he has been incredibly hot lately. Much and we've better. We've seen yeah. him throughout his career. Like We've seen him have spans of a month or two where he looks like the best catcher in the world. And so it's nice to see after – you know, a miserable first three months from him. Yeah, part of that time he was injured, I think, but uh, a good chunk of that time. But it's nice to see that he still has it in him. And yeah, I agree. Kelly's the guy to have of the two. The disrespect to all-star Jose Trevino. I mean, I mean, did up. you enjoy the, the Trevino to Trevino battery tonight? Oh, gosh, yeah. How weird did Lou Trevino look without a uh, beard? Not good. Not yeah, good at all. Look, weird look. Yep. Not a fan of that. <laughs> Bring that's, the beard. That's, that's what that's what that's how Frank will react if I ever shave my beard. <laughs> it's like those videos, Chris, you ever see of like the babies when, when their father shaves their <laughs> Well so dad. the problem is, speaking from experience, it's the summer. He right. works outside. Yeah. He's got a beard tan. You know, it's a bad the summer's a bad time to shave your beard. If you're gonna shave your beard, mm. do it during the winter. Rough, that's my advice. Rough go for, for the beard. Don't get traded to the Yankees midseason if you've got a beard. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is a rough time for the trade deadline, right? I mean, yeah, it just it looked weird. Just let people have beards. Uh, where to add any of these hitters, if anywhere? We'll start with Yuli Gurriel. I know, playing time could go down with Trey Mancini coming over here, but I hadn't realized. Someone pointed out to me on Twitter that uh, Yuli Gurriel has been hot recently, and that's exactly right. He went two for four here on Tuesday with his eighth stolen base. He was batting second in the Astros lineup. Last 21 games, 313 batting average, eight doubles, five steals, 54% rostered. Scott, are you looking to add Yuli Gurriel anywhere if he was dropped in your leagues? I did have him as a sleeper hitter for this week. I think uh, I I stuck him in at the last minute Sunday because somebody got hurt or something. Uh, So I like the Astros matchups this week and yeah, he did win the AL batting title last year and has been, for most of his career, a reliable source of batting average. Has not been the case this year, and he's getting pretty old. So, you know, I I don't know that a little bit of a hot streak here is, is going to have me or should have people buying back into him in Moss, but uh, is it in Mass or in Moss? I, I, I no always idea. say in Mass, but... 
in mass. I've, I've also heard bona fide pronounced bona fide, so you never know. <laughs> yeah. These things. No way, really. I've heard that too. I, I've heard smart people say it that way. So I just yeah. I, I never say it that way because I'm not smart, but I've heard smart people say it. Chris, where do you, you never know you with these stand? with these adopted foreign language words? Chris, you're where the you smartest guys? guy I know. Like, <laughs> why don't that's, you give yourself a, more credit? That's a bad sign. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> got. Where do you stand on an historic versus a historic? It's it's an historic, but it makes you sound pretentious. Yeah. I, I would go I've always historic. I've always heard you say "an" if it makes a vowel if the next word makes a vowel sound, which historic doesn't. Honor does, and honor you wouldn't say a honor, but I think a historic is. You would say an a historic statement though. An a historic, yeah, because it, well, that begin that that does make a vowel sound at the start, yeah, yeah. All right, so I don't think I, we're... I, I cringe every time stunning, I hear and and I don't think we're that interested in Yuli Gurriel, I think, is the take. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> how stunning is eight stolen bases for him, though? Yeah, it's already a he career high. six in his previous three uh, seasons. Yeah. So it already surpasses his career high, so interesting. I mean, like, we've seen this before. When, when a He's not a slugger, but when a hitter can't contribute power, they try to contribute other ways, and I guess this is how Yuli Gurriel is doing it. Eddie Rosario on Tuesday went three three for five with a double, five RBI, pretty massive game, four hard-hit balls. Um, the overall numbers are still very bad, not playing against lefties. He's 54% rostered. Chris, it's only one game, but are you looking to try and get out ahead of it here and, and maybe add Eddie Rosario if he was dropped anywhere? I'm not super excited about it. There just haven't really been many signs of life. The, the interesting thing, I suppose, is that he's just... Eh, even the strikeouts have been, you know, a little higher than I thought. I thought he had been making decent contact, but his strikeout rate since coming back entering today was 25%, maybe a little higher. So, no, I don't really have much interest. Maybe this is the start, but he just hasn't really shown anything. He just doesn't. He hasn't looked right. All right. The last name up here is another one of your favorites, Chris. Luis Garcia, two for four with his fourth home run. His last seven games, he's betting 370 with two homers during that time, 22% rostered. I I understood why you liked him you know, earlier in the season. It, it hasn't really materialized yet. Like There's still mm-hmm. some interesting things under the hood, but uh, what do you think about Luis Garcia? Have you kind of cooled your stance on him? Yeah, he he's definitely someone that I like, and I think there's a lot of potential there. But you know the the overall expected stats are just okay. He's more in the like lower end corner infielder range for me. I have him ranked 27th at shortstop. Shortstop's just cr- middle crazy in. deep right now. Um, yeah, and so you know I can go to almost 30 deep in, in terms of players who I think are worth rostering but yeah i don't think um you know he's not a must roster in points leagues for sure and even in a he has you know, standard 12 team roto league i think he's probably a, a bench guy luis garcia has now four home runs with the two he's in his last seven he's he's at four and 200 at bats you know how many walks he has two three he has two walks two. <laughs> yeah. do you think the four home runs are bad he's got half as many walks yeah, like the 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 underlying numbers are the the skill set still looks pretty interesting because he makes a decent yeah. amount of contact and hits the ball pretty hard. But 
yeah, the, the approach, I think, is still probably holding him back a little. I'm, I'm not writing him off for his rest, the rest of his career. That, that wasn't meant as a snide comment. I mean, oh, he's still very young, too. Yeah, but I, I don't think, you know, I, I just dropped him in a bunch of my leagues, some okay. deeper leagues where I'd been stashing him away because of the middle infield eligibility. Uh, maybe it was bad timing since he's kind of getting hot right now, but ultimately I decided he's, he's just not ready yet. Yeah, it's really hard to be successful with that approach. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, Michael Harris is the exception. <laughs> the name, like, when else will we find three players with the same name that are all semi-fantasy relevant at the same time, right? So we've got Washington Nationals, Garcia, Houston Astros, Garcia, and then the Padres, which would have been their closer, closer if it wasn't for a guy named Josh Hader getting traded to their team. Let's move over to some pitching standouts from Tuesday's action. Spencer Strider. How are we only talking about Spencer Strider now? Posted a career-high 13 strikeouts against the Phillies. Scott, he's not giving up that rotation spot. No matter what, he's got a firm grasp. He's he's holding on. He goes six and two-thirds, one run, 13 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 98 pitches. Slider velocity mm-hmm. was up two miles per hour in this start. He now has 133 strikeouts in 87 innings pitched. His 13.8K per nine leads all pitchers with at least 80 innings pitched. He's awesome. He is awesome. And yeah, I have, for a number of reasons, I'm feeling more confident that the Jake Odorizzi acquisition isn't going to result in in Spencer Strider's return to the bullpen. Uh, Now, we don't know exactly how they're going to handle that for a couple weeks because Braves have a couple doubleheaders coming up. They're going to go six-man rotation for the next couple turns. Uh, But they just acquired... Rice Iglesias, right? And who else did they? Like they they have they have bolstered their bullpen so much. Oh, Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates is about to return from the IL, and he was, you know, obviously up there with Hader in terms of closers before he had Tommy John surgery. Um, so they're like their bullpen is is gonna be so deep that like it, it's hard to make the case that they need Strider in the bullpen. There's still the innings management standpoint I get, but Alex Anthopoulos during the game on Tuesday, they had him on in like the second inning or something, uh, interviewing him about trade deadline stuff. And he said there has been no thought about moving Strider back to the bullpen. Yes. And he also talked about innings limits and how they don't believe in them, which I, you know, I kind of take that as GM speak. He says we we take it start to start and see how it's going. Okay, so you know, if 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 it looks like a pitcher needs to be shut down, you will shut up. Will shut up. But, um, but yeah, Strider just based on where he is with the innings count this year and what he did last year, I think he should be able to to navigate the rest of the season. And it doesn't sound like the Braves are interested in removing him from the rotation if he keeps having thirteen strikeout starts. Why the heck would they? So, yeah, I feel pretty good about his chances of continuing to start going forward. Oh, here's some context for what Spencer Strider's done this season. Minimum 80 pitches in a season in Major League history. His 13.8K per nine is now the sixth best rate ever, tied with Garrett Cole's 2019. Uh, Jacob deGrom's 2021 is the only other one by a starter that's better. So you're talking like... Peak Dellen Batances, peak Brad Lidge, peak Eric Gagne, and peak Josh Hader are the only pitchers who've been better while throwing 80 innings in a season. This is uh, pretty special stuff. Awesome. Oh, and, and look, 
You might be skeptical because it's two pitch mix, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've said this before. It's you know when those two pitches are that good, it's. I mean, just look at Jacob Degrom. I, I don't think Spencer Strider is Jacob Degrom, but he throws nearly 100 miles per hour with an 86, 87 mile per hour slider. Yeah. So uh, he's it just could have been you know. Healthy. Matt Brash was the guy we were excited about, remember, like the first two weeks of the season with a similar approach? Oh, yeah. And so it does just go to show you that the the margin for error is probably pretty slim there with this kind of approach. But, you know, Strider might have a better fast. He definitely has a better fastball. He might have a better breaking ball than Matt Brash, too. The rest of the pitching standouts. Hugh Darvish now has a quality start in nine of his last ten outings up against the Rockies. He goes six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts with 16 swinging strikes. Drew Rasmussen, a strong start up against the Blue Jays. Six innings, one run, three strikeouts there. Adam Wainwright with back-to-back seven-inning quality starts. He was up against the Cubs, goes seven shutout with four strikeouts to zero walks. And Christian Javier posts his first quality start since July 1st, he's just been a little bit inefficient recently with the walks, so that's uh, kind of limited his his innings total. Uh, but he goes six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, with 15 swinging strikes against the Red Sox. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Javier, Wainwright, Rasmussen, and you, Darvish? No, I mean, we've said it a few times, but I think with Darvish, it might just be you've just got to ride the wave with him good good and bad because he he has so many pitches that I think it might just take him longer than most pitchers to like get a sense for what's working and what isn't in any given season and he's had these really high highs and these really low lows but he always tends to figure it out so I think it's just we need to keep that in mind there's a lot of things it's it's hard in the moment to to remember these things but I think with you Darvish it's probably just worth remembering that when you draft him next season, you'll you'll have to be patient at some point. There will be a point where you're frustrated by the U Darvish experience. Who Darvish? You Ah Soldier Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played that one in a while, so <laughs> thought I would bring it back up. Uh, the call to the bullpen. Chris is we've lost Chris. It's great. Uh, the call to the bullpen for the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan. <laughs> yeah. I had, you know, I wanted to make a segment out of that soundbite, and I, I always say all these things that I want to do. It's, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough. Uh, some bullpen updates from Tuesday. Kyle Finnegan for the Nationals entered in the seventh inning with a four to one lead. Runners on second and third. He recorded five outs. The Nationals tacked on another run, and then Carl Edwards pitched in the ninth inning. Uh, Scott, this is the first time we've seen this, but. Maybe the Nationals view Finnegan as just their highest leverage reliever, and that's why he was used where he was. Yeah, maybe. I would argue Carl, Carl Edwards is, is just better than Kyle Finnegan. Sure. And so maybe they're still playing around and trying to figure out what they want to do with that role now that Tanner Rainey's out of the mix. So something to keep an eye on. For the Reds. Hunter Strickland, I guess, wasn't available. He pitched on Monday. Alexis Diaz recorded the final two outs for his fourth save of the season. Could have been a weird thing, like, just who was warming up at the time. I know Graham Ashcraft started the ninth inning, so he just couldn't finish out the game, so Diaz came in there. For the Pirates, I I saw some concern about this on Twitter. People were asking, what's up with David Bednard? Turns out that he's dealing with um, a lower back injury. He's been dealing with this for a while now, but it flared up on Tuesday and that's why he wasn't available to close out the game. They had a two-run lead. Will Crow picked up his 
third save of the season. Bednar has not pinched since Friday, last Friday, July 29th. So uh, something to watch there. If he goes on the IL, it's probably some combination of like Yeri, De Los Santos, and uh, Will Crow picking up saves for the Pirates. The Diamondbacks, Mark Melanson was unavailable. Ian Kennedy picked up his fifth save of the season. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto picked up his 20th save. For the Red Sox, Tanner Houck was amazing. Uh, recorded the final five outs for his eighth save of the season. And what do you know? We got an opportunity for the Angels the day that they trade Rysel Iglesias. We did the podcast earlier, Scott. We said, Ryan Tapera, probably the closer. He's been the eighth inning guy. Ryan Tapera had not pitched since Sunday, so had a day off in between. He only threw 14 pitches. I would presume he was available, but they turned to Jose Quijada. That's spelled Q-U-I-J-A-D-A. Jose Quijada. And he picks up the save. It's his second of the season. He's a left-handed pitcher. I don't know if this is a sign of things to come, but he was the first man up. Yeah, and they don't really have anybody closer caliber in that bullpen, so it's easy for me to look at uh, Quijada's ratios and say, eh, this, is, this guy is not going to be the closer. I I don't think we're going to have a clear idea who is the favorite for saves for a while for the Angels. And, you know, it may be that no favorite emerges. Uh, I guess just by virtue of getting the first set. I don't know. I'd, I'd still probably treat Ryan Tapera as this favorite, but it's not uh, It's not an emphatic recommendation by any means. Jose Quijada. I, I, I do want to mention, though, for, for, for Tanner Houck. Yep. Uh, this was two saves in as many days, right? That sounds and, right. And he went all of July without getting a single save, so we kind of wondered if he was falling out of favor uh, you know, Garrett Whitlock got a couple multi-inning saves during that stretch, and I think a couple other relievers did it, got some saves as well. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we have some assurance now that Hauk is still the Red Sox closer. Yes, it was indeed two saves in as many days for Tanner Hauk. Jose Quijada, by the by the way, his numbers for the season: three one five ERA, one point three two WHIP. Up over 11 strikeouts per nine, but also nearly six walks per nine. So does have control issues. Gets a lot of swinging strikes, 15%. You do like that. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he's like a Jose Alvarado type closer here for the Angels. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Wednesday. Yusei Kikuchi at the Rays, Kyle Bradish at the Rangers, Brady Singer at the White Sox, and Mike Miner at the Marlins. Going to go with Singer. And I'm not going to go with any of the others. Chris? Minor, minor really tests the yeah, uh, I was gonna say, start this. everyone against the Marlins. <laughs> it really does. Um, Especially left-handers, right? I would go with him uh, not being good. So <laughs> I would avoid it. But I don't know. Like, he's not good. He's bad. Yes. And so, man, he's, yeah. He's got a 540 ER over the last three seasons. Mm. That's really testing it. You know what? I'll say stream against the Marlins. <laughs> All right. <laughs> in a deep league. In a deep league. I thought you'd go with Kikuchi over him. But. I do. Like, Kikuchi looked good in his most recent start, and you know they were talking about him figuring some stuff out mechanically, so I, I want to keep an eye on him, but I, I wouldn't necessarily trust him yet. All right. For Thursday, Jacob Junis versus the Dodgers, Z- Jansen Junk versus the A's, 
Bailey Falter versus the Nationals, Dakota Hudson versus the Cubs, and Johnny Cueto at the Rangers. Ugh. I guess, uh, I mean, Jansen Junk did look good last time out against the Royals, I believe it was. I don't see a lot in the profile to get excited about there, but he's going against Oakland. It might go okay. Uh, you could continue to ride the Johnny Cueto thing and just trust that it keeps going, even though it's hard to understand why he's had so much success. Rangers are an okay matchup. I think either of those is... I like them more than all the guys going Wednesday except for Singer. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we can rank them Singer, Cueto... Jansen Jung, if you need. Yeah, my, my contribution is that Bailey Falter's name is more fitting to what he's likely to do than Jansen Junk's is. Hmm. <laughs> Falter, I follow you. Falter versus Junk. Uh, actually, I don't know if Falter's even going to make that start because I know they traded for Syndergaard, but hopefully True. he does because um, the Nationals should be a very, very good matchup for any pitchers moving forward. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.